Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 246. Believe it or not, Royal Caribbean's fourth Oasis-class ship, Symphony of the Seas, is here, and already there is a ton of excitement for the latest and greatest from Royal Caribbean. From top to bottom, Royal Caribbean has introduced a brand new ship that not only carries the awe-inspiring traditions of past Oasis-class ships, but introduces some new innovations that may shape the future of this cruise line for the next few years. On this week's episode, we feature an in-depth review of Symphony of the Seas from someone that sailed on one of her very first cruises. Here we go. With the launch of Symphony of the Seas, Royal Caribbean not just adds its fourth Oasis-class ship to the fleet, it takes yet another opportunity to wow its guests with new venues, entertainment, dining, and plenty to see on board. Oasis-class ships have created a reputation in the fleet for being the class of cruise ship for all, that all new ships are judged against. So this week, we're lucky enough to have a first-hand review of Symphony of the Seas from a good friend of mine that went one of her very first sailings. And to bring us a first-hand look at what Symphony offers, I went to a social media, photography, and yes, fashion icon known around Facebook. He is the styling, profiling, grand suite riding, ripcord by eye fly flying, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, son of a gun, to be the man, you gotta out cruise the man, cruise life Rick. What's going on, brother? How are you doing, Matt? I don't know if I can uh, ever top that. I mean, that is a pretty amazing intro. Thank you very much. <laughs> you need to introduce me to, all, uh, to every room I walk into, I think. <laughs> That's right. All you got to say after that is, woo! There you go. <laughs> well, thank you for having me, Matt. I appreciate it. It's, it's a real Absol- honor to be on. Absolutely. Uh, Rick runs a great group along with Matt on Facebook called Cruise Life, and I love following along there. It's not just about Royal Caribbean, but other cruise lines, I guess, but I just follow the, <laughs> the good stuff that uh, they post there. And, love for uh, all, Matt. Love for all. Love for all. There you go. And uh, Rick got a chance to go. Obviously, you got a chance to go on Symphony of the Seas. Uh, brand new ship. Not only did you go on Symphony, Rick, you booked one of the first sailings. Talk to us about your decision to go all for an inaugural sailing. Yeah, so, you know, Matt, I've been cruising Royal Caribbean for a number of years, and, I, and actually, I had never been on inaugural sailing before, and I, I just thought, here was an opportunity, the timing worked out, and, you know, a couple of friends were willing to go, and I thought, hey, why not, just to see what it's all about, and say I was one of the first people to step on board, so, um, you know, I really didn't even hesitate, um, I, I, I booked it, and, you know, I know there was some skepticism about going on inaugural sailing not everything being ready or you know the ship being you know still under construction and and all that but i wanted to take my chances and and again just say that i was able to be on you know the first sailing and and be one of the first people to experience her so um we we booked it and and we went nice let's talk about uh first of all which oasis class ships prior to symphony had you been on before So I, I actually had been on all of them. Um, I've been on the Oasis twice. I was on the Allure once, and I was on the Harmony twice uh, prior to uh, sailing on the Symphony. So um, four, f- five sailings on, on the Oasis class prior to getting on the Symphony. So. Nice. And you took part in the seven-night Western Caribbean out of Barcelona. Is that right? Uh, Western Mediterranean, yes. Mediterranean. Yes. Yes. Yeah, sorry. That's <laughs> <me>. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so talk about what kind of a sit room did you book? Um, I booked a grand suite. Um, I, I really do enjoy booking the suite class on the Oasis class. You know, it, it does provide a, n- a number of amenities that you don't get to experience on all the other Royal, Royal Caribbean ships. Um, so I did, I did book a grand suite, which is considered a sky class. 
Um, you know, there's there's C class, Sky class, and Star class, which is part of the Royal Suite program. Um, and Sky class and Star class um, are able to enjoy a, a number of kind of exclusive areas on the ship. Uh, one being the, the Suite Lounge, which includes a, a coastal kitchen, um, as well as a Suite Sun Deck, um, which has its own bar and, and hot tub and lounger. So. Those type of things kind of appeal to me, and therefore I like to spend the extra money to uh, to go into the sweet sweet program on, on Oasis class. Yeah, you like to reward yourself, so that makes sense. I do, I do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the ship itself, obviously, Symphony. Yeah. I mean, having been on the other Oasis class ships, what strikes you about Symphony that is – a lot of people want to say what's different about it, but maybe what's similar about the other ships as well. Yeah, so, you know, I think Royal does a really good, great job with the wow factor, right? We've said that about a number of ships, and, you know, Symphony obviously doesn't fall short in that area. I think it still has that wow factor that the, all the Oasis class bring. Um, I, 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 and, again, yeah, so I don't know if it's wildly different than the Harmony or, or the Oasis or the Allure. It's just that it, the, the little minor, you know, improvements have really kind of set it apart in my mind and so you know you walk on and yeah you have the royal promenade and you're like okay this is always this class ship I'm, I'm, i've seen it, i've done it but there's just a number of venues they've added and little things that they've tweaked that i think have really kind of you know moved it or perfected it a little bit more than the harmony and i think that's why it's going to become um people's you know probably go to oasis class ship um once they were able to experience it yeah, absolutely. Let's go by talk about some of these new venues yeah. and opportunities that are on there. Uh, let's start in the boardwalk. How about Playmakers? How does that change, and what do you think about that? Uh, amazing. I mean, I think it just changes the vibe of, of that kind of neighborhood. You know, on, on the Oasis or Allure or the Harmony, whatever it may be, you know, you'd walk out onto the, the boardwalk maybe at you know 8, 9 o'clock at night, and if there wasn't anything going on, if there wasn't like an aqua show or or something like that, there, there really was nobody out there. And it, and it was quite a shame because, I mean, it's such a beautiful space. Um, I think Playmakers gives people that kind of, you know, desire to go out there at night and, and enjoy a beverage and, and watch a game and kind of make use of that space. And, and I noticed that, that you'd walk out there at 10 o'clock at night and there was a large contingent of people that were actually just out there and enjoying the boardwalk and, you know, in, in Playmakers, you know, enjoying a drink, you know, playing the games in there. Um, they've also added a little mini arcade um, off the wing of Playmakers, so you're able to kind of you know partake in some arcade games down there. So it really just kind of changes the vibe of the boardwalk in my mind, and does allow people to utilize that neighborhood, you know, at all hours of the day, not just not just during the daylight hours. Oh, absolutely, can't imagine. I mean, it's yeah. got to be an amazing place to, to hang out yeah. there, like you said. Yeah. How about? Um did you stop by the uh, the candy shop across the way? I, I did, I did. Um, yes, I mean it's fifteen dollars a pound, <laughs> so I mean you know I, I wouldn't go crazy in there, but I guess <laughs> I did, I did, I did stop there, and you know they they offer just more than that. I mean they, that's kind of where they're doing now the cupcake de- decorating and all that. So it's kind of you know and the ice cream as well. So so it's one stop kind of shopping, whereas Royal had maybe separated those things into different venues in the past. Now you you, you go to that one area and you kind of get all of those kind of sweet treats. Um, in one in one venue, so I, I think that um, is a really kind of a, an improvement for the symphony. Nice. Uh, you know, obviously, there's you've got water slides and you also have the ultimate abyss on Symphony of the Seas. Could yeah. you tell any difference between that and Harmony? I uh, no, not at all. I mean, I, the exact same you know setup as far as the slides. Uh, no, no new twists uh, that I was able to notice at least. So I mean, which, which is not which is fine. I mean, they're great slides and I love them. I rode them many times. So. Um, there's no need to improve them per se. But yeah, I think they're very much the same slides as, as the Harmony. 
And I think yeah. I think it's a really great point, Rick. And you know, a lot yeah. what, a lot of the we're going to be talking about is diving yeah. into the minutia of this versus that and differences right. and nuances. But reality is, I mean, these are great ships. I mean, I, I've said this many times. I love Harmony. This I know Rick does yeah. as well. Yeah. So you know, this is just these are two geeky guys just really hammering <laughs> out. Like, actually, this difference is about 0.2 millimeters more than that one. <laughs> <laughs> that is right. That is right. Uh, All right. Yeah, if it's not broke, don't fix it, like they say, right? So there you go. Uh, we were talking a little bit before the show, actually, Rick, about the solarium. We were on Periscope yes. talking about that. Yes. Uh, so there is a pool in the solarium on on Symphony. There is, there is. So you know, I, I mean, it wasn't a big deal for me, Matt. I'm probably going to get a lot of uh, slack for that, but I, I, I didn't think it was a big deal that there wasn't a pool on the Harmony. But I, I understand. I mean, if you're in there on a hot Caribbean day and you want to be able to take a dip in the pool, it, it's nice to have it right there. So you know, I'm glad Royal Caribbean listened to the feedback and they brought it back. Um, it, it's a very beautiful pool. It's got a glass wall. It looks very nice, nice at night when it's lit up. Um, so, so I'm glad they brought it back. But it wasn't a, a big deal breaker for me. Um, I think what really makes the solarium just outstanding is the, is the um, big wonder they've added, which is an art installation above the uh, bar there. Um, it's beautiful. Um, during the day, it kind of catches the sunlight. At night, it lights up. It's just a, a beautiful mosaic of glass um, that really just makes the solarium come alive, um, especially at nighttime. Uh, again, you know, we talked about the boardwalk coming alive at night. I think this big wonder and, and the art installation there and how it lights up really has made people go in there at night and kind of enjoy the space and, and utilize the bar in there and, 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 and hang out. So I, I think that was a great improvement to the solarium. Um, and, of course, you know, they, they've added, you know, they've taken away some of the space for the solarium bistro um, and, and hooked. But I, you couldn't really tell much of a, a difference in, in you know, the, uh, the, the availability of loungers or anything like that. I mean, there was still plenty of space in there and plenty of, you know, uh, places to kind of sit there and relax during the day. Well, you brought it up, so we'll talk food to me, baby. Uh, yeah. Hooked, Solarium Bistro, yeah. tell, tell us about those experiences. Yeah, so, so Solarium Bistro, um, you know, not necessarily a new venue um, for, for the symphony, just kind of an improvement over uh, the, the previous versions of it on the other Oasis class. Um, it's a beautiful space. Um, they've done a really great job of kind of making it like a, a very vibrant and green and very springy type of, of um, venue. They have these large chairs in there that look like bird cages. So it's a really nice uh, venue. You can go in there for breakfast. You can go in there for lunch. You can, you can make specialty uh, dining reservations in there for dinner at night. So it offers all three meals. Um, and it's just a great space overlooks the solarium. And again, with the big wonder there and it, it's a very beautiful space. And then above that, it is the new um, specialty dining restaurant hooked, um, which is the you know Symphony is the first ship to feature that, and it is a seafood restaurant. Um, I did dine in there one night throughout in the cruise, um, and I think it, it's a good it's a good concept, and I think you know they could do a lot with it. Um, I think right now the menu is a little limited, but I think that you know they'll they'll probably get feedback over time and, and improve things. Um, but you know, I, it was a good meal. Uh, was it worth forty nine ninety five? Maybe not. But if you have a dining package, or you go in there for lunch and you get the you know the, the kind of the cheaper um, price, I think it, it's 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 definitely a worthy meal to have. Um, but I would like to see them maybe offer some more um, selection and then you know maybe improve on some things. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point about the, the yeah. dining packages in general. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times it's almost like I hate to say it this way, but like you know, you, you should never be paying full price for the dining for the special right. dining. Take advantage of those packages. Look for specials on board because there's a lot of opportunities to save on that cost. And with the dining packages, especially Rick, you're 100 percent right. I right. mean, you can cut that in half easy. Absolutely, with some of those packages. Absolutely. I mean, again, so if you get a dining package and you go into Hook and you get a full lobster tail and you get Branzino for twenty five dollars a person, I mean, hey, you. Can't can't beat that right so Absolutely. again i think it's, it's, a, it's a great concept and a great restaurant and i and i look forward to them you know probably expanding their menu and, and just improving on things but for, again for it being its first sailing and and you know it being a brand new venue for royal caribbean i think they're doing a great job and the space is actually very beautiful um as, <laughs> well, as well so yeah actually it was funny we uh we were on periscope and someone and rick was in there too and someone asked about yeah. the solarium and of course yeah i mean i assumed they were asking about the pool and rick's yeah. first response was the solarium beach was amazing <laughs> yeah dude what about the pool <laughs> so you know true story I, you know, I was i already said i was in a grand suite so i had the ability to go you know have my breakfast in coastal kitchen every morning but i really chose to actually go into the solarium bistro because i just thought the space was amazing so most mornings i i found myself in in solarium bistro for for breakfast because i really did enjoy that that space nice so. you know what speaking of places what was your go-to spot on symphony this is when you needed to take a break or maybe get a long island iced tea where does yeah. cruise life rick go it, it was definitely the solarium uh, bar um and again i, I just think uh with, with the big wonder there and and the open space with the with you know the view of the front of the ship there i think it was just my my go-to spot i would i would hang out there probably most days um so that's where you found me I became very quite friendly with the bartenders in the solarium for that reason as well. So, um, you know, I think that's where <laughs> I would probably continue to go back there on, on future sailings as well. I, just, I really do enjoy that space. Was that great? Uh, for, great for daytime, nighttime, both? Both. I mean, again, I think that was something I noticed, at least personally, different from the Harmony. You know, you'd walk into the solarium at night and, yes, they had a bar in there. It just wasn't very, you know, busy. But in, on the solarium on the symphony at night, I think that that big wonder – um, kind of art installation and just it all lit up really brought people out and there was a decent contingent of people that would utilize a solarium at night um, for for drinking and hanging out and i think that that was really great to see as well so yeah day or night it was it was probably my go-to spot nice let's talk about obviously the oasis class ships in general are really well known for their entertainment yes. and things to do on there talk about some of the shows and activities you took part in what really stands out to you yeah, so, you know, um, there's a couple shows that are not, well, I should say there's one show that was not available yet for the inaugural sailing, which is Flight. Um, so that one we were not able to experience, but I'll, I'll talk about the other ones. Um, Aqua Nation was the Aqua, is the new Aqua show for Symphony of the Seas. Very well done. They brought back a lot of the top performers from the other Oasis class ships um, to, to perform in that show. Um, I, I think if everybody is f very familiar with some of them, they're very well known on social media. But uh, a lot of those performers are from other Oasis class ships and did a great job. Um, we also went to uh, one of the headliner shows, which was Mosaic. It's a, a, a kind of like a boy band, cover band. Um, that was very good. And, and they've also performed in other Oasis class ships before. So people should be very familiar with them. And that was a great show. Um, the standout show for me, though, for the week was 1977, which is, which is the new ice show. And I mean, I, I, I just I, I sat there for 50 minutes and I was just in awe of, of what they did. And, you know, it's it, just the opening set is, is drones flying around in Studio B above your head. And you're just like, what is going on? I'm on a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean. I'm in an ice skating ring and there's drones <laughs> flying everywhere. I mean, you're just kind of like, what is going on? 
But um, it's a really well done show. The um, the skaters are amazing. The costumes were amazing. The set designs were amazing. Um, it really was probably one of the best live shows I've seen on Royal Caribbean um, and, and all the cruises I've been on. So I would definitely continue to go back to that show um, if I were to be on Symphony again. So that was definitely a standout for me. Uh, Hairspray I did not see, full disclosure. Um, I'm not that big of a musical guy, so um, it, it wasn't it wasn't you know something that I was dying to go do. Um, I have seen Hairspray before on other Royal Caribbean ships, so um, I, I just you know missed that one. But I, I think for the most part, you know, it was well received, and everybody was talking very highly about the about the production. So um, I'm sure it will do quite well in the symphony as well. But I, I did not see it firsthand, so I can't speak to it. No, I mean, there's so much to do. Even yeah. if you wanted to do it all, you really can't. So it's not like, you know, you were just <laughs> sitting right. around twiddling your thumbs for the rest of the week. That's um, right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and it's actually, it's funny you brought up the ice skating show. You know, it's funny when you talk to people who are new to cruising and you say, you know what's awesome? The ice yeah. skating show. And people are looking at you right. like, exactly. what? Why would I go yeah. want to go see that? It's like, no, you, yeah. you just got to trust me. You got to see the ice skating yeah. show. So. And Matt, not the, I think we were further bringing up, just while we're talking about the ice skating ring, that is, you know, something else that's new to Symphony, um, is laser tag. Um, and laser tag is actually set up in that same venue that the ice skating ring is in, which is Studio B. Um, so I, that was not something I got to experience. Again, just in full disclosure, this was a very port-intensive itinerary. There was only one C-Day, so the ability to do a lot of these things was limited. Um, but, it, you know, laser tag is something that was set up. It was, it was again, very well-received. Um, they essentially set up these kind of uh, walls uh, around the around the ice skating ring, um, and they give people you know the laser tag guns and the vests and all that, and you spend about fifteen twenty minutes going through and and you know taking out your uh, you know, other people on the ship. So I think that that was really well received, and I thought that was a nice little feature that added to um, you know some things to do during on during the day and on sea days. Absolutely. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of great things there. You also have. Uh, did you get a chance to do the Escape the Rubicon yet, or is it the same as Out of Harmony? So that is also something that is not yet completed on the Symphony for our sailing. It will be available later in the season, but it's still under construction. Yeah. So um, it will be submarine themed. That's about all I can tell you. Um, it, it, there was a gigantic, uh, you know, painting outside of the wall, outside of the room of a, a submarine, um, but is was not completed for our sailing, unfortunately. But. Fair I would enough. do that. I would do that in the future for sure. <laughs> in the name of research, you're gonna have to try. In the it name out. of research, of course. Absolutely. Uh, how about El Loco Fresh? Jumping back to dining, did you get a chance to go there? I did. I did. So um, you know that kind of replaced Mini Bites for those of you that have been on the Harmony of the Seas, um, which I don't think was a very popular venue. So it was nice that they changed that up a little bit. And I, I think you know El Loco Fresh is supposed to be kind of the replacement for Sabor. It is free. There's there's no charge there. Um, and it offers a lot of, you know, quick things, quesadillas, burritos. A lot of times they, they, they are even wrapped, so you could take them and walk away and go. And I thought that was a really great idea. Um, and you could also have breakfast there, same thing, breakfast burritos and, and, and like. Um, I, thought, I thought it was really well done. I think the space is really well done. I mean, it's very vibrant, and they played on the Mexican theme very well. Um, and, and it's just great to walk up there and, and grab a burrito or a quesadilla and, um, or tres leches or something like that and, and be able to you know, go and enjoy the rest of the ship with that. So I, I, think, I think it's well done. It's not going to be your Sabor-level Mexican food, though. You know, I think that's important to say. It's not like you're going to get table-side guacamole. But um, I think for what it is, it, it was very, it's very well done. I think the food is enjoyable. Nice. That makes total yeah. sense. Um, yeah. what, was, what do we think is the hidden gem of Symphonies of the Seas? 
Oh, the hidden. I mean, I don't know if it's so much hidden, but I mean, just the artwork on this ship. And maybe people don't appreciate that when they go on cruising. But I mean, I know you do, Matt. I know I do. Just when you're walking through the stairwells of the symphony, I mean, every landing just has artwork on it that is just so vibrant and colorful and just really makes you stop and and look. And I, I think that just was really surprising to me how much. Um, attention to detail they put into making sure that the artwork on the symphony was was top notch and and it really it really is like I, I could have stood on every single stairwell landing there and just taken a photo of, of each each one it, it's it's a beautiful it's beautifully done um, and it's again it's very vibrant and and eye catching and and nothing um, is very mundane everything is very uh, elaborate and and I loved it. So I think, yeah, I think I think the, I think the artwork is top notch, and I'm really happy to see Royal Caribbean putting so much effort into that. So I agree. You know, well, the nice thing it's not just it's one thing to pick nice artwork, right? But right. the way they integrate it into the ship is really yes. what is so nice about it. You know, the between that and the live music, the attention to the arts that Royal Caribbean yeah. puts to its ships is, I think, you're right, Rick. It's it's a very yeah. under recognized yet essential and quite enjoyable aspect of any Royal Caribbean cruise. That's right. Absolutely. When you're sitting on the stairwell, you know, after mustard drill, not moving, right? You want to stare at the <laughs> <laughs> um, Absolutely. Oh, and, and Matt, on that note, too, you know, the, the one little nuance for Symphony is they do have that stairwell now that is like a, it's essentially a piano board or whatever, however you want to say, piano keys. And as you walk down the stairs, um, you know, the piano notes play. So I think that was a nice little addition, playing on, obviously, the Symphony's name, um, I thought that was a really, a really cool little art installation that they've added as well. Nice. So. I'm glad to hear that. It's you know, yeah. it's, it's a fun, it's a fun ship, no question about it. And right. it's, um, I think a lot of those little things are uh, are are really nice touches that they've done with it. So I, yes. I'm really excited to see it for myself. Um, yeah, this is really. It's really great. I mean, I guess the question is, Rick. I mean, how does this? You know, is this your new favorite ship in, in Royal Caribbean, or uh, uh, how does it? How does it stack up? I have to say yes. I know it's it's probably going to be like sound like every ship I go on is my favorite, but I really <laughs> do. I really do believe that the little changes they made to to the symphony have just put it just a step above the harmony. And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised that a lot a lot of these things get rolled out to the harmony when it goes into its first dry dock as well. So um, yeah, I, I definitely think the symphony just takes it just one step further and and just edges out a little bit over the harmony. Would I? Go on the Harmony again every day of the week. Yes, not not a problem. But I just think that the little the touches that the Symphony has have made it kind of just um, an improved Oasis class in my mind. So yes, it is now my favorite ship in the Royal Caribbean fleet, one hundred percent. So, and the one thing Great. we can talk about, Matt, but I think we should talk about is the crew. Um, I oh was, yeah, I was very very impressed. I think that was the other thing that I heard. You know, or the about going on inaugural sailing. Oh, the crew is not going to be ready. There's going to be all these hiccups. I think Royal Caribbean did a really great job of handpicking the crew that opened up this ship. I think most of them had been on the other Oasis-class ships prior. They knew the ship. They knew kind of how it ran. And I think because of that, you know, the service was very flawless and impeccable. I mean, everybody you spoke to was smiling and nice and knew what was going on. And there were never long lines at guest services or anything like that. I mean, it, it just seemed like it was a very well-run operation for it being the inaugural sailing. So that was also very impressive to me. So awesome. kudos, kudos to the, the crew on the Symphony of the Seas. I'm really glad to hear that because obviously, yeah. you know, crew is such a critical aspect of any cruise. And to hear that they're off to an awesome start already yeah. is really great. So uh, good stuff all around. Well, I'm, uh, if you want to see more of Rick's stuff, by the way, he does amazing photos. I mean, truly, if there's one thing you take away is he does really <laughs> nice photos. Um, it's uh, You can follow him on Instagram, Cruise Life Rick on Instagram. 
And of course, uh, Rick also runs a great co-runs, I should say, a great mm-hmm. Facebook group, also called Cruise Life Group. Uh, I'll post links in in our show notes to uh, to both there. Looking forward to uh, checking out more of your stuff there, Rick. And thanks for joining us yeah. here, talking a little Symphony of the Seas. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. All right, my friends, time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the podcast where I go right to the emails that you have sent me about Royal Caribbean Cruising. We answer them right over here. And, of course, if you're wondering, well, that sounds lovely, Matt. How do I send you my questions, comments, thoughts about things I've read in RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com? Well, the answer is all I have to do is email Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email this week is from Jose Pena, who writes, Good morning, man. I just saw that Royal Caribbean is going to be going to the Dominican Republic on Vision of the Seas in the future of Punta Cana. I was wondering where they're going to dock exactly, and this could be the start of Royal Caribbean consistently returning to the Dominican Republic. Also, will Vision of the Seas get a refurbishment in the future? Not sure if it was when it was last refurbished. About to YOLO book a Vision cruise for 2020. Thanks, Matt. It's a good question, Jose. Of course, Royal Caribbean has not really gone to the Dominican Republic much at all. In fact, last, I don't know how many so years. I remember when Quantum of the Seas first debuted, there was supposed to be a port stop in Samana in the Dominican that we're supposed to go to on the first ever Royal Caribbean Blog Group Cruise. And that ended up getting changed. The itinerary got changed and we never went over there. Uh, but ever since then, I mean, port stops in the Dominican have been pretty rare for Royal Caribbean, if non-existent. So certainly, Jose, I'm, I'm sure you could be excited for that. I, From what I can tell, it actually looks like it's going to be a tendered port. I did some Googling, <laughs> for what it's worth, and I found some itineraries that Royal Caribbean had mentioned uh, with some stops, Southern Caribbean stops in the Dominican. And for Punta Cana, it says tendered. Now again, that may change, I don't know, but I'll tell you that at least based on what I can see over here. It does list it as a tendered port. So you've got at least that. And Jose also wanted to know the last time that Vision of the Seas had a refurbishment, which I believe was in 2013. And they added some new staterooms, an outdoor movie theater, a Chops Grill, a couple of the restaurants, also a, a Izumi, and I believe Giovanni's Table, some digital signage, Wi Fi across the ship, and flat screen TV. So the usual kind of upgrades that a lot of the older ships in the fleet received. And 2013 was the last time that happened. And as far as I can tell, uh, there, I don't know of any future refurbishments going on besides, you know, uh, maintenance type uh, deals there for Vision of the Seas. But, you know, it's the great thing about those smaller ships is they are able to get to those ports that maybe the bigger ships cannot. And so certainly, Jose, I think maybe that'll help you out there. Jose also said, what's the name of the location, name and or location, that is, of the supermarket you go to in Cozumel? So when I go to Cozumel, if you don't know this, I started going to one of the supermarkets called La Mega, L-A space M-E-G-A. I've been going there for a while. It is The reason why I go there is because I love Mexican food. And actually, believe it or not, I found that there's a major difference between the tortilla chips you get in Mexico versus the United States. For some reason, in the United States, the, Me- the tortilla chips are very light and thin. And in Mexico, if you've ever gone to Cozumel, the tortilla chips are very thick. And I've come to really enjoy the really thick ones. Frankly, A, it's more authentic, and B, it's less likely to break when you're going in for that dip of salsa, guacamole, or both. <laughs> so, as a result, what I usually do is I stop there on my way back to the ships. If there is one literally on that main drag, that highway that connects where Royal Caribbean docks to uh, downtown, and certainly any taxi driver can get you over there, it's really easy to do so. And you just go there, and I just go to the chips aisle, Jose. 
I browse around until I find one that looks like I just do <clears throat> kind of almost window shopping and pick the one out. They're all I mean they're all kind of look the same in that regard, but you know I pick one out and then bring a couple home. And it's great. I love it. And again, uh, it's right on the main drag. You can just tell any text driver bring you to La Mega. The nice thing about La Mega is they have a number of taxi drivers just literally sitting outside. So it's very easy to get a taxi back. It's not really walkable either way. I mean, you could walk from downtown to La Mega. It's depending on what part of downtown you're in. It's theoretically walkable. But back to the ship or from the ship would be... It is walkable from a physical sense. But, I mean, you'd be walking for... Jeez, at least thirty minutes. I gotta think it's 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 a few miles uh, inland. So I'm not sure that would be very prudent for you. But Jose, thank you for the email. Great stuff as usual. I also want to highlight some really nice emails about last week's episode on airfare from Susan Widowson, who writes, Matt, when we booked our Harmony Transatlantic cruise in 2016, we did our own research on airfares: Pittsburgh to Rome, Rome to Barcelona, Fort Lauderdale to Pittsburgh, and we were afraid that we would have to cancel because the airfare to Rome was more than twice the cost of the cruise. Yes, we did book early and got a super low fare on a balcony cabin. As it got closer, we told our travel agent to check into our flights. Apparently, there are a few companies that specialize in airfares for cruisers, and he was able to book us these one-way flights for about a third of what we would have paid if we had booked on our own, or even going through a place like AAA. He told us to be sure to have our, our cruise documentation handy in case they would check. I would say that unless you have enough frequent flyer points to get you some free tickets, use a travel agent that will look for a fare associated with a cruise. Thank you, Susan, for the great advice. And certainly when it comes to international airfare, you're absolutely right. There's a whole nother level of planning required. And honestly, getting to Europe is often more expensive, I think, for North Americans than the actual cruise itself. And this is true, obviously, for Europeans coming to North America. That international airfare can really hurt a lot. But if you play your cards right and do a little bit of research, and clearly here's Susan's strategy, worked out for her quite well, saving a lot of money. So good stuff. Thank you, Susan. Our next email is from Kimberly, who writes, Hi, Matt. Love the podcast. I've been finding it very helpful in planning our first Royal Caribbean cruise in early June. We upgraded to our room to a Sky Class suite. However, I'm not seeing an option to make dining reservations at Coastal Kitchen. Can reservations only be made on board, or will they open up 90 days prior? Thank you. Now, Kimberly, you sent, by the time you sent this email and when I read it now, I'm pretty sure you already know the answer to your question. But sometimes dining reservations don't show up until much closer to your sampling. Thus, perhaps when you sent this in, there was a little bit of a different issue there. But I will answer this for the benefit of anybody who may be in a similar situation of booking a Sky Class or a Star Class room and looking to take advantage of Coastal Kitchen, which is the suites-only restaurant available on the Oasis and Quantum Class ships. So if you're staying in a full suite, grand suite or above, you will be able to make Coastal Kitchen reservations online before you board. If you're staying in a junior suite, you do get to go to Coastal Kitchen for dinner only, but you have to wait until you get on board the ship to book it. Obviously, since you're in Sky Class, it should open up to you for, for dining to make reservations in advance via the website. And it, as usual with so many other things in Royal Caribbean, if you're not seeing it yet in your cruise planner, wait a little bit longer. It'll eventually show up there as an option for you to book. So thank you, Kimberly, for that email. Let's move on to our next email. It is from John who writes, thank you for all the work with the blog, podcast, Periscope, Facebook, and Twitter. We took our first cruise in Royal Caribbean on Allure this season last fall and are hooked. Adventure and Oasis booked this summer for, or summer and fall, respectively. Read and listened to all you had on Allure and now on the Adventure and Oasis. Thanks. My wife and I have read about some of the recent changes regarding the Coco Cay Ocean View Deluxe Cabana and Beach Bungalows location, unit choice, and amenities. Do you have any idea which might be a better for a family and what to consider in their current iteration? Good question, John. So John's talking about the bungalows and the cabanas in Coco Cay. These are the private areas that you can go to. 
For wondering what the difference between a cabana and a bungalow is, essentially a cabana has an extra full wall, whereas a bungalow does not. Also, the level of service at a cabana is slightly better in terms of more personalized service from an attendant uh, versus the bung- bungalow. But I had a great time when I did my bungalow experience at Coco Cay. Man, it's been uh, over a year now, uh, but it's it's really really nice. I think if you're talking about a family. Uh, two things are going to factor into it. Number one is going to be cost. The bungalow is going to be significantly cheaper than the cabana. Uh, number two also is how much level of service you're looking for. Quite honestly, the difference is very minor, especially in Coco Cay. In Lapidy, it's more pronounced because you get a little more privacy with the cabanas than you do with the bungalows. So unless that's a big deal to you, I think the bungalows certainly make a lot of sense in Coco Cay. Obviously, with the new changes coming to Coco Cay, John, this may all change in the future, but we're talking about here 2018, and certainly uh, you're still going to have these typical cabana beach bungalow experiences to go on for the time being. And that's why I think that, you know, unless you really value privacy and or a higher level of service in terms of someone, you know, catering to your needs, you know, I would definitely go for the bungalows, but... I mean, in my experience, booking a cabana has never been an issue, uh, you know, in terms of being able to uh, enjoy that because I, I, I love the cabanas in Labadee. It's been one of my favorite things to book. It's They're pricey, but I think in Labadee, they're absolutely worthwhile, no question about it. Let's move on to uh, our next email. It is from Mark Fisher from Wiltshire, United Kingdom. Uh, writes, Matt, I'm from the UK and have been a listener for a few years. We only have one Royal Caribbean cruise on Independence of the Seas, but have sailings on Celebrity, Cunard, NCL, Oceania, and PNO, all in Europe. I've not listened to episode 238 yet, so you might have discussed it already, so ignore my comments and I accept my thanks for your efforts in podcast. Number one, you wanted a pre-purchase for your drinks in lieu of a drink package. Personally, we find that with long days important and infrequent sea days on European cruises, drink packages just don't make any sense for us. However, I know that on Celebrity... And I think on rail, you can buy yourself onboard credit as a gift certificate to do just this. Perhaps would it spread the cost and do as you were wishing. Number two, readers, reduced perks. The example I would give uh, where this has happened is the charge for room service, which was until recently always included in the fare. No cruises planned at the moment, but your podcast keep uh, the idea fresh in my mind. With that in mind, I heard your thoughts on booking early. We never do this. In the UK, we lose a deposit of around $200 per person if we want to reprice or rebook as our deposits are non-refundable. We also don't have the chance to change to a guarantee room. Once allocated, that's it. But we have done this often and it has been positive in most sailings. Now a question for you. Question. Now that your deposits are headed towards being non-refundable from what I've read, do you think that this will alter your advice to book early as there could be a penalty to, uh, to take advantage of a price drop or better promotion? Mark, great feedback all around. Let's go through a lot of you had a lot of good points there. First of all, uh, about the drink package, great advice. I mean, one of the things you can do is, and not even uh, you recommend getting gift certificate. You can go to guest services and here's you know four hundred dollars, right, cash. Put it down as a deposit. If you put that money down as a deposit, you can get that money back later on if you don't spend it. I don't know that I've ever run into that problem personally, but that can be done. However, that is a really good idea, Mark. Just basically take that money you were going to spend on the drink package. Put it on your onboard account, and then that way you get to spend it from other things, you know, if you don't spend it all. And certainly if you do spend it all, well, then, you know, it's no worse for the wear. Number two, reduce perks. You know, the room service charge, I'll be honest with you, I don't, I barely ever use room service. I mean, you're right. It is obviously something that was included in your cruise fare. It's not included in now, except with the minor exception of a continental breakfast option. Uh, 
I mean, it's just, it's not what, I think the point I was trying to make in a previous episode, I believe it was episode 237 Mark is referring to, where I kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent saying that the people that complain about there not being as, there's so many reduced, it's not as good as it used to be, the reduced perks, I've always challenged them to give me some actual reduced perks, and if the worst we're going to say is the room service, fine, That that's, I can live with that. Uh, I just haven't really noticed much of a, level, a drop in service in terms of, you know, the, the workers there, the employees, the crew members who really make the cruise so good. Now, let's talk about your question there. Oh, one other thing, and I'm glad you brought that up, Mark. In your episode, right, in the UK, you guys have special rules. I don't pretend to understand why it's all cruise lines, not just Royal Caribbean does, where you there's no refundable deposits in the UK, whereas in Australia or Canada or in the US, you are allowed to. Now, your question to that point is, you know, with deposits heading that way, again, we still have the option. And personally, Mark, I still book refundable cruise fares. I do that because you never know. And I still think my advice of booking super early does apply in that it's still the best strategy even for the refundable. Yes, I'm leaving some money on the table. If I had, you know, if I book a cruise two years in advance and I book refundable versus non-refundable deposit, that is, yes, there's extra money or onboard credit or both that I'm missing out on. But to me, that flexibility, that knowledge in the back of my mind is more important to me than $100, $200 here or there. Now, if I, you know what, it's kind of funny because I was about to make a point about, you know, if, if I really know I'm going to go on a cruise, but I'm not, but I still haven't taken my own advice because we have a number of Royal Caribbean blog group cruises, right? Let's be honest. I'm going to be going on every single Royal Caribbean blog group cruise. I have to. It's my group cruise, right? And guess what? I have not booked one of them as non-refundable. Seems kind of odd because that's like the definition of a situation in which you know and I know that I'm going to be on that cruise, so why wouldn't I book it? I don't know. I, I don't have a very good, logical, sound answer as to why. I wish I did. I just... It, <laughs> there's no logical explanation to that. Maybe it's out of force of habit. I just never think about doing it because I've just been used to refundable, and that's just kind of how I roll, but... You never know. I mean, I, there have been lots of times where things change. In fact, there have been actually, if I, if I want to defend myself here for a moment, <laughs> that there were, I think there's been at least two or three group cruises. I thought were going to be group cruises that ended up not being group cruises. So there's that. Now, of course, that what would stop me from then rebooking later on and you know, canceling and doing all that? that? That's a good point. I don't know the answer to that one either. But, I mean, you know, obviously, if you know, if you know in your hundred words, there's no way you're going to miss out on this cruise. Maybe you're retired and you, you know, obviously you don't have to worry about taking time, if getting vacation time or anything like that. Sure, go for it. I mean, the nice thing is if you do live in a country like the United States, Canada, or Australia, refundable or non-refundable, you can always cancel or, let me put it this way, you can always reprice the cruise fare if there's a price drop between when you book and final payment day. Now, obviously, if you want to change the sale date or the cruise ship you're sailing on, then you're going to incur a change fee with that non-refundable fare. But outside the UK, and obviously this, a lot of the rules, if you're listening to us from other countries other than the UK, Australia, New Zealand, um, Canada, and US, the rules may vary for your country. You have to check the, the, the rules. But you know, if you have that option, it's still the best strategy long-term to get a, a great price on your cruise. And Mark, thank you for the email right there. Next, we have an email from Bob Weingartner who writes, Matt, I know that my kids signed up uh, for Crown Anchor status a long time ago, but will they benefit from free drinks between five and eight like soda, Shirley Temple, et cetera, if underage? 37 days to explore the seas on uh, in very, very soon. Good question, Bob. So Bob wants to know, his kids are Diamond members. Do they get the free drinks like he does? And the answer is no, actually. 
If you look at the, when you get into your stateroom, uh-huh. you get a, you should have a printout of your diamond benefits. And kids who are under the age of 18, uh, and I believe Bob says kids who are between 5 and 8, like my children, they don't get that benefit. That's not included with there. Uh, that being said, Bob, you can bring your kids up to the Diamond Lounge and get the free drinks during that time. That's not a problem at all. I've done that multiple times. No issues at all. The only issue, the only discrepancy between the two is if you, you know, the th- the three free drink coupons you get per evening being a Diamond member that you can go to like a, any bar or restaurant. That's the exception uh, to that, at least on paper anyway. I can't say that nobody would maybe slide one to them, but, you know, I'm just saying. Uh, but you can bring them to the Diamond Lounge. They'll absolutely serve them. I've had no issues there whatsoever with bringing my kids and getting them Shirley Temples or Juice or something like that during the Diamond Happy Hour time. So that will absolutely fly, Bob. Next, we have an email from Shannon who writes, I'm a new listener to your podcast, and it's been great in helping me in the very early stages of planning a Royal Caribbean cruise for me and my husband. The last and only time that I cruised with Royal Caribbean was about 10 years ago on Serenade of the Seas. I was in my 20s at the time. I like Serenade, but was disappointed by the limited entertainment and dining options. My husband has never cruised before. My husband and I are in the mid-30s, early 40s. This trip will be an opportunity for my husband and I to have a vacation for just the two of us while my parents take care of the kids back at home. My husband and I are looking forward to some time away without our kids, but would also like a ship with great entertainment and dining options. I'm especially fond of Broadway-style shows and stand-up comedy shows. I also love the water slides. I'm thinking that an Oasis-class ship like Allure or Harmony of the Seas would be the best fit, but I'm concerned that I might feel overwhelmed by too many kids on the ship during a trip that's meant to be adult time for us. My questions are, number one, are there any adult-only places or mostly adult places on Oasis-class ships that we can escape from time to time? If so, what would you suggest? Yes, absolutely. The solarium uh, in the pool deck is adults only. It's very secluded, I think, in there. You rarely see any children uh, in there just because if you would, they're usually just passing through with their parents or something to that effect. But that's like the enclave for adults, no question about that. Also, some of the events like the uh, some of the late-night comedy shows and the quest is supposed to be for adults only as well. That's the adult scavenger hunt game. Some of the, some activities, let's put it this way, are supposed to be for adults only. And certainly I know that the oftentimes there is a a nightclub experience on board the ships. Like on Harmony, it's called Red. And they check IDs. You can't get in there as a, as a kid uh, or under, I assume, 21 actually. But, you know, you've got those options. So there are places for you to go absolutely and escape. I To your earlier point, though, about being overwhelmed... I unless you're going on like spring break or I wouldn't even say summer. I mean, there're going to be kids on your ship. There're going to be kids on every single Royal Caribbean ship. It's a family cruise line. But I don't think it's overwhelming. I don't think you're going to feel like you're in a, a Chuck E. Cheese by any means. So, I think it'd be good. Uh, Shannon writes also, if Oasis class is not good or best fit, what other ships would you recommend? Oh, no, I think it's a great fit for you, Shannon. The only one I could think of would be the Quantum class ships because, again, the entertainment that you're talking about really, you know, and the water slides. Well, you want water slides. It's, it's Oasis class. You're bust. Uh, I mean, you could go on Liberty of the Seas, which has water slides. Adventure of the Seas has water slides as well. Um, they're adding some water slides to some other ships in the future, but not in the time frame you're looking for. You know, they're, they're not bad ships at all. In fact, I love Liberty of the Seas. I think it's a fabulous ship. We've talked a lot about it on this podcast. Adventure is a great one as well. But I think if you want the Broadway shows, you want the you want that entertainment factor and the stand-up comedy show. You want it really sounds like you want an Oasis class ship. I mean, I'm just gonna while other there are other options on the table, and I don't want to discount those options. It just sounds like from your email, Shannon, Oasis class is for you, and certainly oh. oh either a, a cruise on Harmony or on Symphony of the Seas would make the most amount of sense. 
Last question from Shannon. I'm somewhat confused about the process of, she wrote this in quotes, booking, dining, entertainment, etc. for the cruise. How early do I need to book the cruise to be able to book all these extras and still find availability? And where can I go to find a clear list of all things available to book? Ooh, Shannon, good question. So, the answer is, well, it kind of depends. Certainly, the options to pre-book are available for Oasis or Quantum class ships only. They Some options become available very early. Some options become available much later on. It really depends. As long as you book your cruise more than, I would say, 120 days before your sail date, you'll probably be able to book most of these, among the first people to book most of these things, entertainment, uh, dining, and drink packages, and all the galore. I mean, some things, you know, if you book your cruise two years in advance, as an example, I mean, some things like the spa is almost always available right off the bat, right? But those things, you know, you don't have to worry too much about that, necessarily. But for when you're talking about dining, entertainment, you know, things that are... Uh, most important to book on an Oasis class ship. As long as you book it, I would say more than I would say more than 120 days, even 90 days before your cruise, you're probably gonna have access to most things to be able to book. Now again, all sounds are different, you know, you never know. Also, there's no guarantee when things become available to, to book. It's a really common question is, yeah, hey Matt, I booked this this cruise. I'm going on a cruise, you know, later this summer or this fall, and I'm still not seeing that option to book yet. Well, that's just because Royal hasn't released it yet. You have to keep checking back. Eventually, it will show up there. It's one of those things, Shannon, do what I do. Make your morning coffee, and as you're sipping it in the morning, you know, log into the website, see what's new on the cruise planner, and see if anything's changed for you, and then, you know, you, it's part of your morning routine. And for, if nothing else, it's a great little virtual escape to Royal Caribbean for me anyway. I enjoy it. So thanks for the email, Shannon. I hope you have a great time on whichever ship you pick. Next, we have an email from Jim Couch, a.k.a. Network Geek, who writes, Just got back from a four-night cruise on Vision of the Seas, March 5th, 2018. Want to share our top pros and cons. Love these emails. All right, so Jim writes, Pros. Terminal in Galveston was clean and efficient. We had some concerns, but they were not warranted. We arrived at 1045 and were on board by 1130. The staff in the schooner bar were terrific. We spent a good deal of time here and had games in there most days and evenings. The food and service in the main dining room was amazing. We had specialty di- dinner at Izumi and Giovanni's. Izumi was really good, but I felt like we normally get sushi that is just as good as in Oklahoma. Still, the service was great. Giovanni's blew our minds. We were also celebrating our 10th anniversary, and unexpectedly, they brought us cake and celebrated with us with a song. In Progreso, Mexico, we visited some of the ruins close to the port. Sorry, can't remember the name of them, but we had so much fun. The, my wife got to learn the thriller dance on board, and it was so much fun watching all the guests learning it together. The last night, they all performed for the entire ship, and there were five decks full of guests watching and cheering them on. Our cabin steward was amazing, and we compensated him well for it. The cons. The windshield air was not very good. Lack of selection, the quality wasn't very good. This was disappointing because on our past cruises, it was much better at the Windjamere. Other than the schooner bar, the bars were very disappointing. The bartenders by the pool were rude, and the bars at the R-Bar were just too busy. The size of the ship was just too small for us. Our last cruise was on Independence of the Seas, and I'm not sure we'd ever book one smaller than Freedom Class again. Four nights was not enough, but for this size of the ship, I'm sure we could have found enough to do to fill our time. Overall, we had an amazing time, and we're not too put off by any of the cons. We were supposed to go on one of your Royal Cream Blog group cruises on Symphony of the Seas in November, but it's starting to look like we won't be able to make it, so we're looking forward to a May Alaska cruise in 2019. Thanks for your podcast. It is the highlight of my week each episode. Well, uh, Jim, thank you for the email. And I, you know, it's funny because we were just talking about Vision of the Seas at the top of the email segment here. So there you go, Jose. A good review of Vision of the Seas. I actually think a lot of what you said there, Jim, made sense to me because I obviously was just on Rhapsody of the Seas, a fellow Vision class ship. And 
The Windjammer was a point of which I noticed a significant departure from other classes or other ships I've been on in Royal Caribbean Fleet. In terms of the variety, I thought the quality of what they had was fine, but it's just like there. And I think I mentioned this in the review. You know, there was no during dinner. There was no pizza, burgers, and hot dog station, which on every voyage of freedom, Oasis, Quantum Class, Windjammer, there is always that option there. Now, granted, that's a really minor gripe and only of importance to really picky eaters like my children. But I, I just noticed that difference. You know what I mean? It was like something you would pick up on because, as Jim mentioned, there the lack of selection. And I definitely noticed that one as well. Certainly, the R-Bar in the... I'm a big fan of the R-Bar on the Freedom and Voyager, Voyager class ships, but on the Radiance class ships and the, and the Vision class ships, the R-Bar is located at the bottom of the Centrum and I agree with Jim, it's just, it gets very busy down there. Uh, because there's always shows, there's always entertainment, thus there's always people down there. So, not only uh, is there a lot of people there, but obviously the bar gets a little busier, so I end up going elsewhere, like the Schooner Bar, or <laughs> the Viking Crown Lounge. I don't know, Jim, if you, this was your experience. The Viking Crown Lounge on on Rhapsody of the Seas, there was literally never anybody there. I mean, just, it was a ghost town. I don't know how they made money up there, but... Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. So, you know, I just I ended up going other places, which is a shame because I love the R-Bar. But when I'm on a you know Voyager class ship or Freedom class ship in which the R-Bar is in a better location, well then, hey, I'm all game for that one because that you know, makes a whole lot of sense. It's on the promenade, but it doesn't get nearly as busy as the R-Bars on the Radiance and Vision class ship. So, Jim, thank you for the email, and thank you to everybody for checking out this week's episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Don't forget, there's plenty more Royal Caribbean fun waiting for you at Royal Caribbean Blog. Dot com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.